Pray with me. Father, we bow before you this morning and collectively together say, wow, how incredible you are. How awesome is your name and how wondrous are your works. You've reminded us today of your holiness. You've reminded us that you were able to save. You have reminded us how as believers, we should see you as our all to us. Father, I pray as we continue in our worship this morning through the study of your word, that you'll help us to have these truths reinforced in our minds over and over and over again, that you may truly be all to us. For in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Boy, it's so great to see you here this morning. I want to ask, if you will, to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. As today, we wrap up our series that we've entitled, Reimagine You. It's the first half of Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus. Now, next semester, we'll begin in January, a new series entitled, Reimagine Your Life, where we'll look at Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. But as I told you at the very beginning, the first half of Ephesians really is doctrinal. It's to help us to understand who God is and what he's done for you and me, what the Christian life is really all about, to help us, as we learned last week, to grow in our salvation. Because it's only as we understand doctrine, as we understand what God has done for us, that then we can take what we've learned and learn how to be a better husband and to be a better wife and to be better parents and to how to be better employers and better employees and better friends and neighbors to those who are around us. And so as we've been looking at this incredible final prayer of Paul for chapter 3, today we look at the doxology, the last two verses of Ephesians 3, and in that we'll learn three profound truths that I think are really going to help you today. So in honor of the reading of the Word of God, will you stand please as we read together Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Paul writes, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. So as I said to you earlier, there are three profound truths that we see just in these two verses. And the first one is that he is able. Paul writes, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And church, we need to be reminded today in the world in which we live that regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of what's going on in our world, God is able. In fact, for the next few moments, I want you to just focus with me on some of the ways that God has revealed how able he is throughout history. If you remember in the beginning of the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that God created the world in six days. He spoke it into existence. We also see in Genesis where God created man from the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into him and how God created woman from the rib of man. Church, God is 
Abel. We see in Genesis chapter 12 where God promises a child to an older couple, Abraham and Sarah, very advanced in age, unable to have any children up to that time. But God said that he was going to build a nation from them. He was going to make the name of that nation great. He was going to give them a land. And through this nation would come a blessing to the entire world. And God gave that elderly couple a child. God is Abel. We also learn in the book of Genesis that God gave a dream to a young boy named Joseph that one day his entire family would bow down before him. After his brothers jealously threw him into a pit and he was sold into slavery in Egypt, falsely accused of a crime and thrown into a prison, God raised up this Joseph to become prime minister in Egypt in a time of a famine that would have rendered his people extinct in the land of Canaan. And Joseph's brothers bowed down to him to look for grain. God is able. As the nation of Israel was moved to Egypt, they continued to multiply as a people, even in the face of harsh slavery imposed upon them by the Pharaoh. Then God gave a child to a couple of the house of Levi. And even though the Pharaoh had issued a decree that every Hebrew male child was to be killed, God spared this child by having his mother, put him in a reed basket, place him in the river. God caused the daughter of Pharaoh to find the child, take him in as her own, train him in Egyptian language and in culture. And God used this child who had become a man with a passion for the Hebrew people to be the one he would use to deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, bringing the 10 plagues upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians and their gods. God set the people free through Moses. God is able. As the Israelites made their way out of Egypt and they came to the Red Sea and the Egyptians were chasing behind them and they were boxed in by the sea, God parted the Red Sea and all of the Israelites walked on dry land. Once they got across to the other side, then God brought the water upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God is able. As they wandered in the wilderness, God provided manna from heaven. And by the way, on the sixth day, he provided a double portion. So on the seventh day, they could observe the Sabbath. He provided water from them for them from a rock. And throughout 40 years, their clothes and their sandals never wore out. God is able. God also provided a succession plan for Moses through Joshua, who was the right hand man of Moses and able to see how God worked through this incredible man. And as Joshua became the leader of Israel, God gave Joshua and the Israelites their first victory in the land of Canaan by having them march around the walled city of Jericho. God knocked the walls of Jericho down. Israel never threw a spear, never waved a sword. God brought the victory. They inhabited the land just as God had promised. God is able. During the time of Judges, when the Israelites were rebelling against God and taken captive by other nations, God raised up judges or deliverers to bring them out of captivity and back into their land. God is able. In the book of Ruth, when we're introduced to Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, after Ruth had lost her husband and was rendered childless and unable to be able to provide or to carry on the name, God provided a kinsman redeemer named Boaz who took them in and provided for them and carried on that family name. God is 
Abel. In 1 Samuel, we see where David, a shepherd boy, is raised up to be the second king of Israel after the first king, Saul, had rebelled against God. And God caused the stone of David to come out of the sling at just the right speed and at just the right location with precision to pierce the head of the Philistine giant Goliath and knock him down and bring victory to the people of Israel. When Saul was jealous of David and David had to be on the run from Saul, God provided a friend at just the right time for David who encouraged him to continue to walk in the ways of the Lord and protected him from his father who was trying to kill him. Listen, God is Abel. When Solomon became king, his wish to God was that God would make him wise to be able to rule well, and God gave him a wisdom that was greater than any wisdom the world had ever seen. God is able. As the Israelites rebelled against God, and they, the kingdom divided, and they continued to walk away, God constantly sent prophets to them, reminding them to turn their hearts back to God, because judgment was coming, but turn their hearts, be revived in their hearts towards the Lord God. He continued to provide a witness to them because God is able. Even when they were cast off into captivity, God still showed his power through things like Daniel in the lion's den as God closed the mouths of his lions while Daniel was in that den because he remained faithful to the Lord. And when there was a threat against the Israelites to be rendered, uh, well, to be annihilated during the days of the Persian king, God raised up one of his own, Esther, to be the queen of the king for such a time as this and protect his people from imminent danger. God is able. God provided two men, Ezra and Nehemiah, with a heart and a passion to see God's people restored. And through pagan kings, God allowed Ezra and Nehemiah to go back to the land, funded the projects of the walls of Jerusalem being rebuilt, and God led his people back unto himself. After 400 years of prophetic silence, God provided a baby to Zacharias and Elizabeth, a couple who had not been able to have any children on their own. God provided John the Baptist to be a prophetic voice and prepare the way of the Lord. And as we come to this Christmas season, we praise God for how God provided his son through the Virgin Mary. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we're able to see that God is able through Jesus because God through Jesus provided a huge catch of fish for some fishermen who hadn't been able to catch any fish the entire night before. God provided through one little boy's lunch, God provided a, a meal for 5,000 men, could have been 20,000 people on a hillside. God through Jesus provided sight to the blind. He provided freedom to the demon-possessed man. He raised Lazarus from the dead who had been in the tomb for several days. God through Jesus came to a Samaritan woman who had gone to the well at an odd time of the day because she had been married five times and at this point she was living with another man and because of her shame she didn't want to be around anybody but God through Jesus came to her to give her purpose in life and to help her to know that God loves her and that God had provided for her and she was forever changed. God is able to save and God provided the thief on the cross hope when it seemed like he would be 
be rendered hopeless. And God provided his son to die on the cross for our sins, to be buried in the tomb, and God raised Jesus from the grave. And in doing so, Paul tells us that we who were dead in trespasses and sins have been made alive together in Christ. You see, God is able. And being alive in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who indwells us and empowers us, who gives us access to God. We can come to him with boldness and with confidence because of what Christ has done for us. God has given us a place and God has given us a purpose and God has given us permanence and God has brought Jews and Gentiles together in one and dwelt by the Holy Spirit and God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Church, God is able. And that's what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, God is able. And he says, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. He is so able, you can't even think to pray for what God can do for you. When my kids were young, babies, infants, toddlers, you know, back when I liked them. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. When they were young, oftentimes it would be my responsibility as I'd been at work all day long and Sandra had been home with the kids to help get the kids down to bed. And I'd say it was a responsibility, it was a privilege to be able to get them down to bed and just have some special time with them. And with each one of them, uh, in their rooms, we had a rocking chair uh, that, that I would sit in and I would hold them in my arms and I would sing to them a song that it was, just, it was just the song that I sang for them. Each of the children had a different song. By the way, I'm not fixing to sing, so don't panic on me, all right? Hang with me, hang with me. But the song that I would sing uh, for my youngest son, Graham, was a song entitled, He is Able, a little different than the one you just heard. And the words of the song went like this. He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make me what he wants me to be. And then after singing him that song, I would just offer a prayer to the Lord. God, make Graham who you want him to be. This is my prayer for you. This should be your prayer for us. Paul says, listen. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you can know to ask, above anything you can possibly think. Our God is able. Secondly, Paul says, he is faithful. Look there at the end of verse 20. According to the power that works in us. He is faithful. One of the ways that he shows his faithfulness is that we're saved. 
and being saved, God through his spirit lives within us. So he has provided every single thing in the world that we need. The question is, do we live in his power or do we live in our own? You see, you don't really have to ask for God's power. You don't have to ask for more of God's power in your life. Because when the Holy Spirit came to reside within you, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places was provided for you at that moment. But as Paul has been writing, we have to grow into our salvation. That's what spiritual maturity is about. We have to understand what God has provided for us. We have to understand the power that's there. We have to understand how to use that power as God desires us to. And by the way, don't forget what John writes to us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 when he says, hey, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Henry Blackaby once said, you realize God would have to cease being God to be unfaithful because God is holy. He is without stain, without spot. He cannot be unfaithful to you. And throughout history, God has not only showed that he is able, but he has also shown that he is faithful. Those promises that he promised to Abraham in Genesis 12, they came to be. The dream that Joseph had, it came to be. The promise that God was going to deliver the Israelites out of slavery, it came to be. The promise that the Messiah would come, he came to be. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is available to you. It will come to be if you trust in him by faith. So the question for you and me is this. Why in the world would we not live in his power? The one who spoke the world into existence in six days. The one who has the power to part a sea. The one who has the power to calm a storm. The one who has power to bring salvation. Why in the world would you and me rest on our own education our own talents and abilities, and our own experience from the school of hard knocks. Why in the world would we live in this world in our power instead of his? And just in case you wonder whether or not you're living in your power or you're living in his How often do you come to the word of God to understand that power? And how often do you come to him in prayer depending upon that power? And how often do you commit yourself to allow him to do what only he can do through you? Versus how much do you do the best you can? He is able he is faithful. And third of all, Paul says, he is to be glorified in the church. There in verse 21, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever 
and ever. Amen. God has made you. God has saved you. In saving you, he has given you a place. He has given you a purpose. He has given you permanence. He has indwelt you through the person of his spirit, and he empowers you to live for him. Why would he have done all of that? Because God wants to reveal to the world that he is able and that he's faithful. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, you know what? You are to shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He writes to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15, Christ died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. Who are you living for? Him or yourself? Do you shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation? Again, are you living in his power or your own? Jesus told us, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit, but without me, you'll do nothing. Hananiah the seer said to King Asa in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Is your heart loyal to him? Are you learning who he is? Are you obeying him? Are you living in his power or in your own? He is able. As I would sing to my son, he is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make you who he wants you to be. And then I would pray for him. God, make Graham who you want him to be. Will you pray with me this morning? God, make First Baptist Jackson into who you want us to be. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning, and again, we praise you. You are so good. The more we gather here in this place and the more we open up your word, the more we are just confronted with how incredible you are. In fact, far more incredible than we've ever given you credit for, and we're sorry. Father, forgive us for at times not putting ourselves in position to grow in spiritual maturity. Forgive us for the many times that we have committed the sin of idolatry by trusting in our own talents.
talents and abilities and experience and smarts instead of relying upon you. Forgive us for the many times, even as a church, we have been proud of our talent and our resources instead of being surrendered to yours. And forgive us for the many times that the world has looked at us and seen us when they should have seen you. God, I pray that every person in this room and every person who's watching through internet or on telecast, I pray that you encourage them with the words that you were able. You know what every person here is dealing with. You know the struggle in their hearts and in their minds. You know the challenges that they face and you know how they even may be crippling under the burden of life. But may those words, he is able and he is faithful, resound in their hearts and minds today and all this week. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.